Have you ever heard of the phrase, it's just like riding a bicycle? So I did a fun little internet search on the topic of just like riding a bicycle. And I found an awesome article that's authored by John Alexander, kind of a cool dude that I learned about. And he debunks this myth of just like riding a bike. And he said in his article, it's often used to describe something that comes second nature or something that should be easy to do. And it implies that we know everything about an activity and we can take where we left off and just ride on into the sunset. So you're probably wondering, why am I on the show? Why is this Jim Conley and not Valerie Kramer? Well, first, I want to tell you that Valerie is just out for the week. She's actually working some campus, doing some student focus groups, and she graciously asked me if I would be willing to host this week's episode of the Succeed in AMP podcast. And I believe I uttered those words. It's just like riding a bike. I would love to do that. So hopefully I can remember where I left off way back when. And to help me with that, I have a guest that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. He is one of my favorite people. I said this on the podcast. You'll hear me repeat this a couple times. And you'll learn firsthand why. But let me give you a quick update on what the show is going to be about today. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the things that you all know. Why do students struggle in AMP? I'll talk a little bit about the nursing shortage that's out there and what the opportunity and the challenge is. But then the meat of the show is going to be towards the end. So I want you to hang in with Richard and I during our conversation. I know it's a little bit longer sometimes. 30 minutes, I think, is the total talk time for Richard and I. But he is going to give you five really good tips. Two that I've never heard before that I probably should have. And they're a little bit familiar to me, but I went into a little more depth with Richard. That you can take and incorporate into your a class and your students will have success. Now, I know we have published a couple of different things. So we've got the top 10 tips to thrive in your a course. We also have the top 10 tips to thrive in your microbiology course. We just published the same document, similar document anyway, for medical terminology. But here's my promise to you. For Richard's top five tips, you're going to learn a different perspective. There are going to be some obvious things in there, but I guarantee you that these top five tips are really going to be important and something that you can take one of them and move forward with or all five if you want to but I guarantee you that they're gonna be really good and I'm gonna to talk to Richard which I haven't done this yet I had a conversation with him the other day but I need to revisit again with him I'm gonna ask him if it'd be okay if we publish these five tips because I really enjoyed them that much so I hope that you get a lot out of this show today I want to thank you for uh, not only listening to the show but giving us a rating on iTunes later hopefully and Valerie, thank you for letting me host for this week. Without further ado, let's kick it over to Richard's conversation here. Good, man. How are you doing? So a little bit of trivia. Richard and I were talking, and Richard got the full treatment here. I think for the first podcast ever recorded on Succeed in AMP, Richard was our first guest of all time. That is still, with all due respect to all of my previous guests, that one has a special place in my heart for a lot of reasons, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But I'm just tickled, Richard, that you're back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, like when you messaged me, I was like, oh, heck yeah, sign me up. So. Yeah, and it's a funny thing, you know, when, when I messaged you, this time I didn't give you hardly any time to prepare. But <laughs> the one before, we had to work into it a little bit more. But uh, what a great thing. I'm glad you're able to do it today. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to be able to. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today, Richard. So uh, one of the things I wanted to give the audience a sense for is, you know, I've been working in the A&P disciplines for 17 plus years 
It's been something that's really been near and dear to my heart. And I've got some things I want to share with you that, you know, quite frankly, I probably shouldn't, but they'll be fun to share. Um, <laughs> some things I think you guys might get a kick out of. So when you do something for that long, you not only learn to love it, like every fiber of your being is in there, but there are some known things that happen that you kind of take them for granted. And then all of a sudden you have these epiphanies. So this is the first thing I'll share with you today that I probably shouldn't. So Richard, way back when, when I was working on the McKinley Anatomy and Physiology product, yeah. um, the first edition, uh, which has done so well for us in the marketplace, really wonderful title. We're doing all these planning meetings and we were going through the visuals and some of the animations on that particular product. And the one day I was talking with Chris Quack, who was one of our uh, developmental editors, she's great. And then Mike McKinley, Valerie Lachlan, and Terry Bide, all the three co-authors on that. And for some reason they were talking about, we we're in the muscle physiology area, and somehow or another they made a comment about, well, this is why a student will struggle with it. And they were talking about something that was really basic but you had to know it before you got in there. And Richard, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's why this course is so difficult is because of the integrated nature of it. And then as a student, you have to have this foundational knowledge that you just don't always have. And then it comes up over and over again. Have you kind of had that same experience yourself? Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of funny because I actually had a conversation with a student the other day where you know, I, they they told me this. They said, you know, just it's just so much stuff. And I was like, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the most difficult things about the AMP class is that we're covering, you know, a lot of different body systems. There's a lot of content that you need to know. And uh, they and they they're a freshman nursing uh, major and and said, well, I just think I'm at a disadvantage compared to like some of the other people that are in a class. And so in the fall semester, our AMP one class has a handful of nursing majors, but it's primarily the like EXPW, like exercise science, PPT, pre-OT, that, that group. And they've had a gen bio class. And so they feel like it, they, they recognize that they were at a disadvantage for these like fundamental, you know, basic biology. What is diffusion? What is, you know, like just envisioning two molecules interacting with each other and how that can generate tension in the muscle. Like it's like, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not used to the looking at those types of things or thinking about that thing, things at that, that small of a level. And then being able to extrapolate that out to the entire muscle cell shortening and the entire muscle organ shortening and that leading to movement of the of the limb. So it's tough. And I and 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 I think like they realize that at some point they recognize that they're they're missing some material somewhere. And so yeah, I, I 100% like know exactly where they're coming from. And that wet tiny thing can like can hit them multiple times throughout the entire semester. And uh, it just makes them, they have to learn more than somebody else who's been uh, better prepared with like a fundamental class in some form or fashion. So, you know, I heard this concept over and over and over again. Then as a lay person, you kind of take it for granted a little bit. And then all of a sudden, bang, during a major development effort like that with McKinley AP, it comes back and it hits you like a ton of bricks. And then I uttered the phrase that probably is so silly to others to hear. I just kept saying, I finally understand it. I finally understand yeah. why it's so difficult. And then I was thinking yeah. to myself, why did it take you that long to really understand <laughs> it? And then I had the situation where 
I was looking at the drop, fail, and withdraw rate. So, by the way, at, at McGraw-Hill Education, Valerie Kramer and the Anatomy and Physiology team, all these folks are coming up with this awesome campaign. We call it Stop the Drop. And mm -hmm. I could not you know, articulate better why that is so important when you look at outcomes being equitable to all students we really want to make sure that we do a good job of affecting that in a positive way. So I think you know some of the stats here, Richard. You've got this uh, really unique dynamic where in any A&P course that you go to where it's a two-term sequence, some of the rates of the drop, fail, withdraw for a student can range anywhere from 10% on up to, I've heard of a school recently that had a 65% drop, oh, fail, and withdraw rate. And yeah. to me, you know, that's not us like casting a judgmental eye on that. That's something that really speaks to there's this opportunity out there in the market. We have to try to fix this. Yeah. So yeah, you've got it, that it is, dynamic. It's a bad thing. Yeah, it's 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 not something that you, you know you're excited about. It's not like oh look how high my DFW is. You know. It's, it's not something you're shooting for, and uh, and it, I mean it's it 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 has long-lasting problems for you know the school and for for the students as well. And so if there's any any opportunity you can get to lower that and to have students be more successful, because that's that's really what that is. Is you're, those are the students that are not successful in the class. Like they yep. they there's something happened. Something happened. They're they're not being successful. And so if you're trying to help them be successful, that's a good cohort to go after. If you're trying to increase success. I agree with that. Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that just to zero in on some of those details. Um, but one mm -hmm. thing I was going to read to you, Richard, and then the audience, I thought, you know, this kind of colors the bigger picture for us, but there's a nursing shortage. So I'm actually going to utilize some statistics that are from the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. If you look at what they've published recently, um, they looked at the employment projections from 2016 to 2026, and when they looked at it, they said the RN workforce is expected to grow from 2.9 million in 2016 to 3.4 million in 2026, which they say is an, an increase of 438,100 uh, nurses, or 15%. And then they also said that the, that's not only just what they're projecting, but there's also going to be another 200 and well, I'm going to call it 204,000 new RNs each year through the year 2026. They're going to have to fill new positions. These are brand new nurses just simply to replace uh, attrition or retiring nurses. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Like yeah. you overlay that on top of the drop, fail, and withdraw rate at some of the schools. And now you yeah. see why this could be, you know, a pretty significant crisis that, by the way, I think, you know, us as McGraw-Hill education, faculty in our communities, all these things, we can do a really nice job to really affect this in a positive way. But what an interesting dynamic. And there's probably no greater time or exciting time when you look at the opportunity for any entry-level student going into anatomy and physiology one and two than right now. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and you know, even with colleges in general, there's been a, a focus on you know being career ready, and in in this case, a lot of students do come in with a particular career in mind, and the classes that they take are really very fundamental in getting them into that that program. You know, I mean, that's 
this A and P is the weed out class. A and P and micro. Those are the those are the weed out classes. They usually have to take some sort of chemistry class as well. And then the other classes are the ones that are general education classes that they're getting to help round them out, educate like in their educational and academic self. And but you know th th those are the ones that they you know they'll tell. I've, I've heard the advisors here tell them like if you don't do really well in like A and P micro and in your chemistry class, you're not getting into nursing school. And so, I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure on the students for these particular courses. And I mean, it's a career readiness thing, you know, that they're, they're moving towards a career. And I think colleges are right to like, look at that. And definitely I, those numbers are startling. It doesn't surprise me, like with the way that the healthcare uh, industry is growing and uh, the aging population, that there would be a like, need for more nurses. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I joke and tell people all the time, I want to prepare the best student I could possibly have because I don't want to wake up on a table and see somebody and think, oh, crap, it's you, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so for sure. You know, it's, it's like I want to prepare you as best I possibly can for nursing school because I want you to be a great nurse because at some point I'm going to be the one that, that needs the, the nursing, you know? And so, but, yeah, I, no, I totally agree. Well, let me ask you this. You are someone who, you know, I've watched over the years you're so successful. You are just unbelievably close to your students. And I know you've probably had some students uh, drop, fail, withdraw your AMP1 term. Um, why do they drop, fail, or withdraw AMP1? I think, you know, honestly, I think there's a bunch of different reasons. I think one of the, the probably one of the first things is that they get into a class that for the first time, it's extremely content heavy. You know, it's usually during their first year, like when they take AMP one. Um, usually, most of them take it second semester of their freshman year, and so they're they're in there. It's the first time they've got a real content heavy class that's, that where where um, the information that the the fundamental information that they need may have like happened in ninth grade. They may have taken a gen bio class in ninth grade in high school. Right, it, they they didn't take any sort of fundamental class, and I mean, and, and let's be honest, like some of these students are not, you know, 18 year olds. They're you know 22 or 24, or 28. I've had like students in their 40s and 50s. You know, I've got one gentleman in my class right now. He's in his 60s or 70s, and so you know, he just it was it's been a long time since they had a general biology class, and so they're they're missing some of this fundamental um, information that would be helpful for them to to have and to understand to help them. Uh, where they could focus on the anatomy-centric or the, the physiology-centric information and not the gen bio stuff that underlies the, the, um, the physiology. And so that makes it difficult for them. And I think sometimes they get overwhelmed because of that and, and they wind up dropping or, or doing poorly in the class because they can't, they don't grasp those concepts. I do think the other thing is, is that they're sort of used to, um, especially the ones that are coming just out of high school, they're used to just regurgitating information. and. Um, I know myself and, and a lot of my colleagues that uh, teach A and P are are not interested in like you just spitting out numbers or you just you know just spitting out things that you memorize. Like you need to learn to apply that information. Right? Take something that we've learned about this this physiological process and and you explain to me how this particular pathophysiology occurs. And I, I realize that uh, you know that that's tough on them. That's that's not easy. That is something that grows and it takes time for a student to learn to do that. But it, as a you know as a member of this class, it's time to start that. You know, at that, at that point, it's like, okay, we got to start working into this process and go from there. Um, honestly, I think some of them drop for non-academic reasons. I think they get here and life happens. You know, I've had students like come tell me, it's like, hey, I, you know, I got pregnant, I got to, I got to drop, and I think, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we'll do what's best for you. And then, you know, I have others that 
just decide they, they actually like shadow a nurse and they figure out, you know, I don't want to do this and, and they change. Uh, and, um, I've had several students that that's, you know, that's been their path. They realize halfway through the class that, you know, I, I just now got a chance to actually realize what nursing is going to be like and I, I don't think this is the best fit for me. And so I do think there's, there's some, those are the ones that I don't know that there's, not, there's anything that, that we could do to really help them that's going to happen. There's sort of a, that's, that's kind of the base rate like DFW that you're going to wind up with, but it's the ones that are that are struggling with the material or the ones that are struggling with their study skills or the ones that are that are working themselves through who they are and who they are academically. Those are the ones that I think that that you can reach and that you can help them uh, transition from being that DFW student to being an, an A, B or C student. And so that's sort of that's that's what I see. That's that's really the the um, the ones that, that, that fall through the cracks for me and, and the ones that I feel like that I can reach. Now, when a student um, drops out, fails, withdraws, what kind of impact does that have you as a, on you as a faculty member? I, you know, I, I would love to sit here and act like it doesn't affect me at all. But sometimes, I, you know, if I don't know why they left or if they, they just, you know, disappeared and and I don't have any idea. Sometimes I wonder, like, you know, you know, I have classes, I have 200 people in it, 250 people, and, and the people can disappear and just, you know, I, I don't recognize that they're gone. But the ones that I've interacted with that, that suddenly drop, you know, it's like, okay, did, is, there, is there anything I could have done to help them? You know, is there a way that I could have helped the student more, um, especially the students that are borderline, like, you know, CD students, you know, it's like, could I've, could I've, could I have spent more time, like, you know, explaining something in class that might have helped it click with them? Could I have, you know, made a video and posted it that would have helped explain this fundamental thing in a, in a way that I'm, I'm trying to teach it? But, you know, there's tons of stuff out there on YouTube. They can Google and, and watch videos, but it's not, it's not your, you know, your way of saying it, your way of doing it, your way of drawing it. And so it's like, I, could I have done, done more than that stuff? Could I have posted more like, feedback? On their assessments, because you know what, at some point, I, it becomes a like self-loathing exercise. Where it's like, did I do something yeah, wrong? Does. And so, and and at some point, I've I've learned, I've gotten better at, over the years of being able to say, okay, you know, I'm I'm doing the best I can, and I'm going to work. And if they'll come to me, I'll work twice as hard the next time to help them not be that student. But you know, I've got to let them. You know, I've got to let them be adults and let them make make decisions and and it, you know, hopefully learn from the experience and then, in theory, take it again. Where then and and in the case of of where I'm at now, but at Tennessee Tech, like I'm it. You know, I'm the one teaching A and P. You're stuck with me. It's not like you're going to be able to find a different professor to do it. And so, you know, hopefully they're able to to figure out what what happens and and. Uh, work through the issues that they've had and, and hopefully be able to be successful the next time through. But. Could not agree more. Well, this is where we're going to go. We're going to turn the corner into that's the the potentially negative side of things in terms of the situation where they drop, fail, withdraw, and that mm -hmm. makes us wonder sometimes, especially when you've invested in them to some degree. So when you look at you know your top five tips, in either mm -hmm. helping them not drop the course or perform poorly, what are some of those tips that you want to share with the audience? I study from day one. That's, I've, I've tried to explain, and, that, and, and there's a, the, the second tip is to learn what study means. <laughs> I think that's the key. I think a lot of times people don't understand what studying is, and so they don't know that they can do it 
consistently and persistently throughout the semester. And so I um, like I use the Connect product. I use SmartBook. I love SmartBook. It's one of my favorite like tools to use in class because what I've always wanted a student to do is read. And, and even if they're not reading, like what a lot of times people say, oh, well, they're just answering the questions and moving on. It's like, yeah, but like they'll hit the read about this and they'll go find it in the book. And I, I mean, they're, they're reading it in piecemeal, but they're still reading that book. You know, I'm getting what I want out of it one way or the other. And so I, I if I can convince the student, this is what I've done with several students, I've, I've convinced them that those homeworks are not assignments to, to finish. They are like guiding like um, uh, pieces to help them study. And so I actually, um, with the uh, Salden text, I'm able to select which um, like sections of the textbook I want to assign reading assignments over. And so I have reading assignments that come up regularly. So it's, I, I literally, they, there's one that will come up on Monday, one on Wednesday, one on Friday. They come up, my classes from eight until like uh, nine, they pop up at nine o'clock. And so they're due on the next day of class at like, uh, that we have class on, at 11.45. So the one on Monday is assigned, or due on Wednesday, the one on Wednesday is due on Friday, the one that's Friday is due on Monday. And it gets into like a system where they just know that it's gonna happen this way. That's the way the assignments go. If, I've ever, if I ever forget and don't put one up, I get 50 panicked emails like, what happened to the connect assignment? <laughs> and so, but, they, but they've learned to study that persistent, consistent studying me method. That's truly studying. And if they learn to do that, if they learn to like go through that, I've, I've seen that they're, they're, on average their grades go up because they get used to like taking the, 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 um, the material in it piecemeal instead of trying to, to, to eat the entire elephant, they just take a nibble and they, they go through that. You know, signing the whole chapter at one time, I've had colleagues that do it and it's just, it, you know, it overwhelms them. They don't learn anything from it. Then it becomes an exercise and I've just got to finish this assignment. Doing it in this little piecemeal mechanism has helped me a lot to help, help them, to force them into this like consistent, persistent studying. And then I have to convince them that they also have to prepare for the exam. So there's, that's a different, they think studying is what they're doing the day, the weeks before the exam. That's like, no, that's not studying, that's preparing for the exam. That's when you're going back over trying to connect ideas from different chapters and connect, like understand how the pathophysiology of something, like if we talk about a disease, like how does the normal physiology get messed up to lead to that disease? And you know, tell them, you don't want the first time you do this to be on the test, you know, you want to check off about this before the test actually pops up. And so kind of go from there. But then another thing I tell them is like, go to class, you know, like it, I, I will have students and I have students right now. I've, I've seen them, we've had three tests, so I've seen them four times. You know, it's like, because come they come the first day, then they come each test. And, and honestly, to be 100% honest, I, some of them are A students. Again, they will absolutely 100% get an A in the class. But those aren't the ones I'm worried about that need to come to class. It's the DFD, oh, yeah. DFW students. Those are the ones that need to come because coming to class for them will help them engage the material. They'll, under, they'll hear me say something. I tell a lot of jokes and stories and just something to help trigger the material in their mind that we've been talking about. And so trying to let them like recognize that, okay, hey, well, he talked about this, it's important. I'm gonna make sure that I, I look at the, the, the connect assignment or I'm gonna make sure that I go back and look at my notes better for this. Or I'm gonna add something here to my notes to help me get it. So, so that coming to class is a big thing. The other thing is, and I think this is something people forget, the students especially forget about, is that it's great you should get to know your classmates and you should get to know your professors. And the main reason for that has nothing to do with like your, your learning, but, but it has everything to do with the fact that it's harder to leave a community. You're less likely to withdraw. Ooh. 
if you if you have like a community there. And I've done a fan, that's that. one thing I think I've done a fantastic job with. That my like I looked back at ever since 2012, my withdrawal rate from my AMP one class is less than four percent. And so because I can, I can get them into this like it's like hey you're here this is a this is a community like you know, these are people that you work with that you are going to get to know and I'm here and it's just harder for them to withdraw from a class in that particular instance. Now, some of them need to withdraw. I wish some of them would because they're going to fail and it would be better for them to get a W than an S. But the, the fail rate is less than 10%. So, I mean, it's not that many extra that really sh I would, would hope would withdraw. Um, I have a, a fair number of students that get Ds, and those are the ones that I, I've spent a lot of effort on trying to get them to study better and trying to get them to, to, um, to do, do things with. The last thing I think that's important Number five thing is to make sure you know what your resources are before you actually like need them. Because if you if you wait till after you need them, you're you're going to have to struggle with finding the resource, finding your tutor, finding like you know which what's your you know where in the where's the book? Like I don't have any get there. How many times people like I don't have a book yet? It's like how do you not have the book yet? <laughs> like how many oh, you realize how many assignments you've missed? And so it's like, you know, it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't think we'd need it. It's like, I told you, the first of class, if you needed it, it was an important component of the class. And I think it's just, you know, some classes you don't need it. And so they try to try to do it without it. And so, you know, and that's, that's, you know, it's it, from affordability standpoint, like a two semester class, I do just the online text. I mean, it's, it's affordable to them. It really is. And, and, you know, I, I have very few students who really can't afford it. And then there's there's several that will like they want to go out and buy the loose leaf thing and they'll have it and they'll bring that with them to class if that if they learn better reading off paper then that's fine but it's a it's a great option and I, the, I know there's some other stuff that McGraw Hill's doing with this inclusive access stuff and things that's really neat and I, and I really do appreciate that you guys do that I mean that from the bottom of my heart that like it's important to me that that the the textbooks the, the resource that they need is affordable and I, I think you guys do a fantastic job with that and I really do appreciate it. But yeah, those would be my five yeah. biggest things. If I could just get them to do that, I think a lot of them, it would shift it a good bit. Well, I know I, I promised you I would keep this uh, really tight in terms of time, but what I'd be curious yeah. in learning about, um, and just I'll expand on one small thing here. I love when you talk about get to know your classmates and your professor. That is huge. The whole aspect of like not leaving your community is a gigantic thing. But I met a few of your students that actually attended a HAPS conference with us, Gabby and Taylor. I think yeah. those two are a really good example of that community element that you've brought to your classroom. And you have a lot of students, over 200 students, and you still can really manage that. And I'm actually going to share with the audience, we've done this before, but I've watched you do this. You have the hashtag Perkle and AMP on yeah. Twitter, which is just so phenomenal. And what I've taken from that, Richard, is successful coaches and managers, teachers, professors, they really want their individual students and their group of people or their teams to succeed. And you've really done that so well. So kudos to you. I love your top five. We're going to publish that along with the show. In terms of the show notes will be there. But I want you to share, if you, if you don't mind, you can leave the name out of it. But do you have one story you want to share in terms of, like, student success that you think would be really kind of a good way to leave on a high note? Yeah, I, there's, there's one particular student that, that when thinking about, like, like people being successful, and and being a DFW student, like I have one uh, one student that was that was definitely he was a, he was one of the withdrawals, 
And so I remember during the semester, he came in, he was older, and he, he came down and joked to me. He's like, oh, finally, I have a professor that's younger than me. And like, he's like, ha, ha, ha. And we were like, he's a nice guy. I really like the guy. And so he had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, had to miss because of, of other, you know, like issues. Like just, and it had nothing to do with academics, but it, every last bit of it affected his academics. And he told me, he's like, he's like I don't, I, biology was, you know, 16 years ago, man. Like, this is a long time ago. Like, I, I don't, you know, have like a good grasp on this. I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And so the next semester, he wound up, he wound up just telling me after one exam, like, I can't do this. I got to withdraw. He's like, I really want to be a nurse, but it's, it's not going to happen. I said, well, you know, get your get life sorted out and come back. And uh, and when he came back, it's actually when I uh, started using the Learn Smart Prep to help students get like kind of the Gen Bio stuff. I use it as like a as a way to make up points from a test that we take. We take like a little pretest and. They, you know, they do horrible on it because they hadn't studied it. And like, and the, it's basically the first day of class, which is terrifying for them, of course. But, and so that they take, they can make the points back by doing the the learn smart prep thing. And so, um, and then uh, the did the reading assignments like I described. And after the first exam, he got like, I think he got the third highest grade on the on the first exam. And then the second exam, he got like maybe the tenth highest grade. And and so when he after class, he came down to talk to me and. I said, dude, I said, what, you, you got it all figured out now? And he, he said, no, he goes, this is like new stuff you're using. So this stuff is fantastic. Because you know, I can, because he was an EMT, but you know, I can sit in the back of my ambulance and actually like do the homework on my phone. He said, did you realize how much easier that is for me? But I, you know, I'm waiting and like, and so it's just like, it was, it fixed the, doing it this way, having this class set up to where like, it worked better for his life, for his situation, fixed it. Oh. Right, he learned it, and, and I mean, did he like he? Well, I think I'm, I don't remember the exact guy. He either got an A or really, 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 really high B. I don't remember, but like, I mean, it was just a drastic. I mean, unbelievably like different, like change from A and P one the first try, his W try, to his like the next try. And I mean, in, in last, I I ran into him the other day, maybe six months ago at this point, and I, and he's he's finished with the nursing program. He's a nurse. He's, he's doing fantastic things. And so it's, he's planning on going on. Uh, I don't remember if he was going to get his DNP or if he was doing some other sort of master's in nursing. But I mean, it's just you know, it fixed it. Like his life got his life got settled, and having this other like way to like take care of things and do stuff on the go, the mobile stuff. I mean, these things that you guys are able to do, it's fantastic. And so um, I, you know, those 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 products change like the dynamic for some of those DFW students. And it's worth like in, investing in those things. And so again, I really do appreciate it. Well, Richard, amazing story. Um, and I'm going to share. So one of my favorite success stories when it comes to AMP students would be a student by the name of Amber Abla, and she did a story for us about talking about the results in her grade improvement using Connect. And I'm going to put a little caveat out here. So I'm going to use her quote. She said, "My grade." In the beginning of the class was a D. When I figured out all the bells and whistles on the Connect website, I brought my grade up to an 82, which was a B. What I'm going to say about this is the caveat here is it wasn't the technology that did it. It was Amber who did it. And Amber figured out how to use some of the reports and then use those reports to go in and have more productive hours with her 
uh, faculty member. So that's one of my personal stories. I'm always a big fan historically of a big comeback. And I think for Amber, she was probably going to be that statistic of a drop, fail, or a draw. And she turned it around and did really well. So kudos to Amber. That's one of my favorite stories. But we're going to look forward, Richard, to publishing this show. I want to personally thank you for spending your time with us again here today. You are one of the best in the world, just in terms of being a human being, but an awesome educator wonderful father, family person. It's just such a privilege to know you. And I've always wanted to just say thank you and give you a big hug, which I'm going to do over the airwaves here. Sounds good, man. Like we need to get together and go to Waffle House. That's what we got to do. Let's go. Yes, we do. We got to go to the Waffle House. House. For sure, we'll get some fried chicken and waffles, and then there we go. You know, maybe maybe we could talk one of our colleagues, uh, potentially Chrissy Relhan, to see if she'll maybe yeah. go have a beverage with us. There you go. That sounds good. Sounds good. It'd be awesome. And thank you to Valerie for letting me step in this week and do an, uh, the fill-in episode with Richard here. We're loving all this stuff that you're doing down there, uh, Richard. The top five tips are great. Love the story about your gentleman that worked in the ambulance on his phone. We want to keep continuing the conversation and doing a better job here at McGraw-Hill Education, trying to help uh, spread that message of outcomes, 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 and being equitable, also the affordability piece. You basically did a nice infomercial for us, Richard, on the global <laughs> message that we're trying to get across. Um, but we know it's it's not an end game here. we got to keep working at this and really appreciate all the feedback that you've given us over the years, too. So, Richard, I want you to have a great rest of your day. You too, buddy. And we'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Yep. See you. Later.